0: WPSL Port St. Lucie. It's nine o'clock and time for We Are Just Christians live from
1: Savona Church in Port St. Lucie. Here are your hosts Mike Smith
0: and Gary Jones. Good morning gentlemen. Good morning and welcome to We Are Just Christians this morning. We're so glad you tuned into the show. Hope you can stay with us For the next hour or so, we'll be on the air here, taking your calls, comments, questions.
1: If nothing goes wrong. If nothing goes wrong, (laughs) and
0: sometimes it does, that's right. Uh, We certainly aren't professionals at this, but uh, we're glad that you listen. And we'll be talking about different spiritual topics today. Some some people have sent in some questions, but you may have your own. We're going to give precedence to the people that call in live on the show to ask your questions or make your comments, so feel free to do that. I'm going to give you the numbers to reach us in just a moment, Uh, and I know it may be boring if you listen to the show all the time to hear this, but let me tell you the ground rules because it's important we have new listeners, and just so you know, um, this show is not about confrontation, although we certainly don't mind disagreement. We'd be glad to have you call if you disagree with us. It'd make a great show, and we hope you will. We especially invite, for example, unbelievers, people who are atheists or unbelievers, to call in the show talk to us about your objections or thoughts on, on Christianity or the Bible or God or whatever it may be, or religious people. We don't mind. Just give us a call. And, and what we're saying to you is that this show is not about just making people look bad or winning an argument. We're trying to uh, talk and have a discussion, search for the truth. And so uh, we promise to give you the last word. If you call in and we disagree, we're going to give you the last word or whatever it is so you don't feel like you're being taken advantage of. Uh, we're going to try to Stay on topic and talk about the subject at hand. And pretty much anything is open game. If you want to talk about whatever is on your mind, we'll try to address it. And the point of the show is we're going to try to give you uh, some Bible references to deal with that subject, to try to answer it in some way, if we can. If, it, if we can't we don't know. Uh, need to think about that, we'll just say, well, we need to think about that and get back with you, and we'll do that. But we'd certainly like to give you some scriptures to look at to answer whatever question you might ask in some way. And so that's the ground rules for We Are Just Christians, a little bit, briefly. Let me give you the numbers. You can reach us live here in Port St. Lucie at 772-340-1590. 772-340-1590 is the telephone number. You call there. um, Ray there at the station will put you right on through to us, and we can have a discussion about whatever is on your mind. If you would would like to... uh, uh, text the show. We have two text numbers. Both Gary Jones and I have a text number. Maybe I should introduce us, Gary. My name is Mike <laughs> Schmidt. I'm a, I'm the preacher, one of the elders. I sometimes forget to do that. Preacher, one of the elders here at the Church of Christ on Savona Boulevard, and, and uh, Gary Jones is the, the other elder. How you doing, Gary? I'm here and, and, and doing good. We've been working on this show together for for quite a few years here now, and so sometimes Gary and I agree. And generally, we probably do agree about almost everything. We couldn't work together well if we didn't. But that you're going to get a different perspective from him. I'm a I'm a, a preacher and a teacher, educated, spent my life doing that, and he is an, a retired engineer, so uh, uh, aircraft engineer, whatever <laughs> I don't know that, mechanical engineer working aerospace aircraft, aerospace mechanic. engineer. So what, that's what, a you totally decide. different perspective um, on things. That's right, and so uh, you can call and, and you're going to get that two different things. And we don't do sometimes a lot of. Prep to make sure we always agree on this show We don't do that We talk in generalities about subjects Then sometimes subjects come up out of the blue We have no preparation for those things And so we do that so the show is fresh And you each get what Gary and I are thinking And you can think through it yourself And as I said, we're going to give you some scripture. So let's get the numbers You can reach 772-340-1590 for a live call The similarities
1: now are going to be that Both Mike and I are going to try to show you Answers from the scripture. Right. not from our opinions Just necessary. Our, right. yeah we're going to we're going to try to give you answers Jesus says in John 12:48 he who rejects me and does not receive my words as that which judges him the word that i have spoken will judge him in the last day that's what we should be paying
0: attention to exactly 100% now the the text numbers i have a, a text number 7722606120772260 Six one two zero. That's for Mike and Gary's text number. is very similar, 772-260-6220, 772-260-6220. And we also, uh, we can sometimes look at your text on the air while we're talking and, re- and respond to those. Uh, often we can. depends on what's going on. Uh, we don't make promises about that, but we'll try to. On the other hand, if you'd like to email us, we're going to try to get back with you as soon as we can, about an email, you can reach us at justchristiansatt.net. Justchristiansatt.net is how you get a hold of us by email. And we sometimes we've been answering a couple of email questions here recently, and we got a couple of text questions that have come in, and we really appreciate that. So we'll probably try to get to those here in just a minute. 772 340 1590 is how you reach us here on just Christians we'd like to invite you to do that don't be afraid to do that and hope you can hang on the air for just a little bit so we can have a conversation You can ask a follow-up question or two and and make sure we understand what you're saying but give us a call you're not going to get attacked we'd like to hear and and what people don't realize Gary is usually the questions that they have are the same ones other people have but they just haven't either formulated them in their mind that way or they just don't want don't ask them at all and so if you've got the you know Uh, Interest in asking the question You'll be helpful to a lot of people Alright so I've got a We've got a couple of questions that have come in uh, Through Various means Um, This one's from Sherry We did some of this She had like three or four questions We did a couple of these earlier Never really got around to this last one very much Uh, She says Is it ever acceptable for a woman To baptize someone So there you go brings up several subjects. Now, yeah. I've, I've heard, go ahead, Gary. You're going to make a comment. Well, no, comments, I was just but. going to
1: make a comment that that, uh, that we talked about baptism and the differences between John's baptism and and the baptism in Christianity today, basically under the authority of Jesus. And the most important thing about baptism, I believe, is the authority under which it's done and the knowledge of the person being baptized. Those are the two important things that, right. that we're, we're given in Scripture. Not much is said about who does the baptism Uh, I think you read a passage about talking about Jesus baptizing more than John and yet Jesus didn't personally Baptize any of them.
0: Yeah, John 4 says that the Pharisees heard that Jesus Was baptizing more disciples than John And yet he did not baptize anyone but his disciples So Jesus is said to have baptized them and yet he didn't Physically do the act, his disciples did the act and I guess in the context, that would be those 12 or, or some more men, maybe, maybe it's not at that point, early in the maybe ministry. Maybe it may not be he even picked the 12. The 12 yet. Right. He had not picked the 12 yet at John, in John 4, early in John 4. Uh, as far as I can tell from the context and the chronology there, although John is not chronological, still seems very early in Jesus' ministry. So in any event, we can debate about who the disciples were, but that's what the text says about it.
1: Well, I think we've only got one example where we know who actually did the baptizing, and that was Philip in the eunuch.
0: Yes. Oh, well, that's
1: the only example that I can I can, I can think of right now, Mike. Where well, uh, it tells us who did the
0: baptizing. There's also um, there's also the case where Paul says in First Corinthians uh, that he personally did, did not did not baptize people. Some people he did. But most of the time, he did not personally baptize. I'm kind of following the example, I suppose, of Jesus there. But others in his company must have done that. Now, that leads me to the general conclusion. Now, this this is a multifaceted question, Gary. The, we're tackling just the first part, and I took it in a general way. I'm going to summarize the question in general. It doesn't matter who baptizes you. So that's one part of the question, uh, which we'll We'll talk about some more the other part that goes with it that probably brings up the question is um, the idea that can a woman do something like that because of what paul says about women teaching and so forth in uh, in, in in the scriptures and first timothy and some other places well, So that's, that's the question i think here's not who can baptize but can a woman do that because she would as she's viewed as being limited in her role of public teaching
1: well, yeah. I, I guess that's why I would say personally that it depends on the individual doing the baptizing. If if you're if it's a woman and a woman considers that to, uh, an, an act of having an authority over man, she probably doesn't
0: shouldn't do it. Right, um, and that's it, the question. That's is it question. is it exercising authority over a man? In
1: and there's this? there's no clear indication that that's the case. But if you if you view it as the case, then I would say don't do it
0: now we certainly know that women are permitted and obviously did teach other people the gospel because we know from the example of aquila and priscilla in the book of acts that they both took and it's specific in naming both of them husband and wife that took apollos aside in acts 18 and taught him the way of the lord more accurately it says so it's obviously permissible in a private setting For a woman to teach someone the gospel Or to have some role in that Well, have a role in that And I don't see why it should be that there has to be a man present Or else she can't teach her friend the gospel Now the question is Well what if a person then because of the gospel being taught wants to be baptized Can a woman baptize someone And I've heard this discussed a few times over the years The passage that people go to And I'm not sure this one applies But let's just go and read the one that would probably come to mind most readily here in 1st Timothy chapter 2, uh, beginning in about verse 8 or so. <clears throat> Paul says, 1st Timothy 2.8, I desire therefore that men pray everywhere. Now that word men there is the Greek word uh, aner, which is not just the generic word for man or mankind, human. It's a specific word for male. Okay. It's, okay, it's the specific word for male as opposed to man or mankind in a general way. I desire, for therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and disputing or doubting. So this is speaking about public teaching and praying. That's what he means by everywhere, I think. He goes on to say, in like manner, that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair, gold, or pearls, or costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. Let a woman learn in silence with all submission. So in the public setting, it appears that Paul is saying that the contrast is men pray everywhere, women learn in silence or with, with submission. And I do not permit a woman to teach, nor to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. For Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Now, it's not saying that women are sinners more than men. It's saying that this is the ca- a case of, of leading in that case. And so Adam was supposed to lead. He didn't. The woman led, and that was where the problem came in. And that's why, going back to the beginning, this has been kind of viewed in Christian and Jewish circles as a universal principle so he has he has contrasting in his public setting apparently what men are doing publicly in teaching and praying what women are to be doing what and, and that's where this that's one of the passages where the belief comes right that women have a subordinate role in public teaching not in teaching per se but in the public proclamation or teaching of the gospel and, women and have, have would, a different role than men
1: and i would have to say again it it would depend on the circumstances because in a lot of the cases here at the building the baptisms are in a public setting
0: they're not always they they, they can that's right they can not be always that that's way right. they some can be some baptisms are pr- public some in the sense is. of but the whole church is gathered it's in the middle of right. the church assembly and probably in our culture someone doing the baptizing would be viewed as a person in authority right it's possible to have a culture somewhere that that wouldn't be the case but it certainly is in our culture to be something that people would view as having some authority. And so and although there's nothing said about what you're supposed to say when you baptize somebody, open up another can of worms, Gary. And <laughs> I went to the I sliced my hand open a couple weeks ago on a piece of glass changing a window out. I went to the clinic to get it stitched up that Sunday afternoon evening and the guy stitching me up, the doctor had gotten this long discussion with me about, um, about Bible things. And, um, you know, the. I forgot what I was going to say about that, but what was I talking about? <laughs> My brain just went blank. Uh, I'm reliving the traumatic experience of having eight stitches put in. Uh, you know, anyway. That's called a senior moment, Mike. I, I guess. <laughs> but but anyway, we were discussing this business about. Um, I can't remember what it was. I'll think of it in a second. Never mind. It happened to me once in a while. But but the issue is, is there some authority inherent in baptizing someone? And I don't know about that. I, I Oh, I know what he We were talking about the public nature of the confession. He was asking me, in whose name should we be baptized? And I said, well, the Bible says, Jesus said, you go and teach all nations, Matthew 28, baptizing them in the nation, name of the Father, Father the Son, the Son, and the Holy, the Holy Spirit. Spirit. And not very many days after that, Peter stands up and um, says in Acts 2.38, Let everyone repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Now, I view those two things as, saying the same, as being the same thing. Baptizing in the name of the Father and the Holy Spirit is the same as being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. I know that there may be differences, and he quite brought out some differences. There
1: again, though, that when they went to a local congregation and they talked about, you know, being baptized, uh, basically, and they only knew the baptism of John, and they were asked, well, then, into what were you baptized? And they replied, we didn't even know that there was a Holy Spirit. So So that
0: implied some knowledge
1: of the Holy Spirit.
0: Right, It does. does. So I, th- I think they go together. Now, my point was he, he was wanting to talk about what is often called in religious circles a baptismal formula or what you say when you baptize someone. And I maintained, and I still think I'm correct about this, that the Bible doesn't tell me anything to say when I baptize someone. It tells me what to do to baptize them in the name of or by the authority of uh, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, or Jesus Christ – who is the son? But it doesn't tell me what to say while I do it. Whether to raise my right hand, uh, what to do, whether to bow my head, close my eye. It doesn't tell me anything like that. So there's no instruction. And well, that, there's
1: a conclusion that can be drawn about the passage I was talking about. That if they were baptized and literally was said in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they would have at least known there well, was well, a Holy Spirit. Well,
0: that's the only reason that I do that, mm-hmm. so that everybody knows was, what we're doing, who's yes. watching it. But it, there's no instruction about how, and no there's one can no tell explicit. me there's no ex- instruction about what to say. I told him oh. the same thing when I marry somebody. There's no instruction in the Bible for what a preacher's supposed to say when he marries somebody. None whatsoever. Are there Bible verses that deal with marriage? Well of yes. course and I go over those. but as far as what I'm supposed to say uh, uh, as to, to make somebody be married, there's no instruction at all about that I'm not even I'm sure that, and I think that's instructive okay personally that's instructive that we got no specific instructions about that but what to say when you're baptized now then what I mean what you say when you're baptized it doesn't tell me what to do about that. So, there's, there is there teaching going on? That's the question. Well, in a public setting here, that could be. But in a private setting, which probably the majority of baptisms that I've done over the years, and I've done hundreds and hundreds of them, I would say, I'd say, uh, if not a majority, a very, very strong minority of those baptisms have been just basically private. Me, the person, maybe someone else or a couple other people. They've been done in swimming pools and in a a lake, places like that. In baptisms, I baptize a person in a kitchen sink before, in a big sink that you can get down into, and and a hot tub and jacuzzi. I baptize people in a lot of different places, and it wasn't the point of all that wasn't me who was doing it. The point that's going on there is what is happening in that person's heart between them and God that's where the transaction takes place not in the hands of the person who's actually taking a spiritually dead person and burying them in water raising them back up well that is that's
1: exactly the reason why I would say the real important things are the knowledge or the understanding of the person being baptized
0: and the authority by which it's done Yes. Now, if you have a Roman Catholic view of the sacrament, a sacramental view of this, then the church dispenses the sacraments through the clergy. And the only way to receive the sacrament of baptism is through an official clergyman of the Catholic Church. Now, I'd like to go see that established some way historically, uh, or, or excuse me, biblically, that that's how it's done. That would be the reason why people are trained to do these baptisms. Uh, I think a clergyman has to do that. Same thing about a wedding. There's nothing in the Bible that a preacher has to marry anybody. I'm not giving any, any authority or instruction as a preacher to marry anybody one way or the other. I do that as an agent of the state of Florida. And as a friend of the people who are marrying it, they want me to do something religious and say religious things to them about it. Uh, and so that's why I'm doing it. Now, we have a caller on the line here. We're going to pause this discussion okay. because I don't know what uh, Jerry wants to say. How you doing, Jerry?
1: Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Gary. I was wondering, this is kind of off-topic. Uh, it's okay. Well, in school, I did a, a paper on the Lincoln-Douglas for Bates and... I know that uh it was leading up to your Mayashville Proclamation and I, I copied it right out of the encyclopedia, but I was wondering about uh Frederick Douglass. Was he a person like Martin Luther King and you know what could you tell me about Frederick Douglass? I'd like to listen off air if that'd be okay, Mike.
0: Sure. Well, the little it sounds like I read something very recently about some of the Lincoln Douglas debates, Jerry. Um Lincoln. Frederick Douglass was a, a different kind of person altogether than Abraham Lincoln, and uh, their debates centered generally around uh, slavery and then along those the lines of states' rights. Douglass was not at all an abolitionist. In fact, he defended slavery in the debates uh, with Lincoln, and at that time that was considered a very strong position, so he was expected to carry, you know, all the southern states and so forth in his debates. Lincoln defended, uh, he was an anti-slavery advocate in general, although, you know, you can debate his, what he did politically about those things. But he defended, from what I've been able to read, the idea that all men are created equal, and therefore um slavery was not a just institution that was that would be Lincoln's basic position in some of the debates other people disagree with that I don't know but that's the that's the two things so here's the problem you have with politically with group politics i would compare it to the present day situation that we're in a little bit as far as what concerns me about the racial uh, Dis, r- racial discussions today They're very well, similar in some ways bef- To what was taking place in the United States Before the Civil War A lot of the people believe That individuals were given a Rights by God By the nature of their creation That all men are created equals How they formed it in the Constitution Declaration of Independence And some of those original documents Whereas the people who were defending Slavery viewed viewed it more as a group thing. Certain groups had natural rights over other groups because of their either position in society, their, view, their, their viewpoint as being superior intellectually or socially, and so therefore they were defending the rights of groups, one group to own other groups or to, to manage the affairs of other groups of people. And that's where we're, strangely enough, back to that today. Rather than defending a colorblind society where all men are treated equal and viewed to be equal, or we attempt to view them as equal, we now have to view people and separate them out again according to racial categories or other categories. And so we want to separate uh, black students from white students and so forth on the basis of race. We want to hire people based on the basis of race because we have a certain viewpoint about that group of people as black or white or whatever so since we have a certain viewpoint about the group uh, we don't necessarily treat them as individuals anymore so this has always been the debate it's always been the debate in the united states
1: is, is this this is more like uh what what i hear
0: most often called identity politics yes that's exactly identity politics not like a new word but it isn't if you go back and read the lincoln douglas debates or uh you, you know get you can get you get an uh get some tapes of them gary i'm sure they're cassette tapes available, made while Lincoln and Douglas were debating.
1: I'm sure sure somebody wrote down what they said. Well,
0: yeah, We have transcripts of what they said. And uh, of course, sometimes back then they would take a transcript that someone made of it and take their notes and compare it. Maybe They might come up with a revised version. There are like four different versions of the Gettysburg Address that, ha- that he had written down later. They're very slightly different. Um, the I don't know. If we don't know for sure. Well, I don't. His initial, his original notes didn't have the idea of one nation under God shall not perish from this face of the earth. He he wrote that in later because he said he said that, although it wasn't in his notes. The the words under God, but in any event, somebody wrote these things down. You can go back and read them, and you will see, uh, strangely enough, a very parallel situation between a defense of slavery being made on the basis of identity politics and a defense of, the, all of, of uh, anti-slaver abolition being made by Abraham Lincoln on the basis of individual po- uh, standing before the state that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with this independent right to be free. So that's the position that Lincoln took in the debates. Uh, now, as far as what he did politically, he was a very astute politician, only freeing the slaves that he didn't have any authority over, you know, things like that in the Emancipation Proclamation. So there was a lot of politics going on there. He, he This is why, though, Lincoln ran on, on an anti-slavery and, anti, and, and, therefore, in this case, an anti-states rights position, that as soon as he was elected, almost, South Carolina withdrew from the Union because they knew clearly what he was intending to do. And, therefore, there was a secession that happened immediately. And um, I guess he kept his word. He, he, he just said the union's going to stay together, and he forced it with guns. And uh, it's still being debated today, I, I guess. But that's how I understand the Lincoln-Douglas debates. Douglas was an honorable man from what I know. He was a well-respected politician. Um, it's one of the more interesting things in American history that uh, – Really accentuates this thing we have that the taller of the two candidates usually wins. I don't think that happened this last time, but usually um, the taller of the two candidates usually wins and that's why Douglas was always standing on a pedestal when he talked because Lincoln was six foot four. I've been to Lincoln's house in Springfield, Gary and uh, Illinois, and they got his bedroom pretty much the way it was, and you can walk upstairs you can look into the room and you see his bed and and the guy points out across the room there's a, a little round mirror on the wall. Now, that's Lincoln's shaving mirror. And you'll notice it's hardly right. anybody in this group can look in that mirror because yeah. it's yeah. so tall. Yeah. And he's right. It was way up there. It's like, I couldn't, I couldn't see in that mirror. So anyway, he was a tall man. But in any event, I don't know if that answers your question. I do believe the Bible teaches that uh, the very principle upon which our country is founded, that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain rights we can debate the merits of all of that, but this is the fundamental thing that is is at stake today in the race debate that's going on in our country. Do we believe that or do we believe we ju- should judge people by their identity with identity politics as far as what group they belong to? I'm in the category that believe that uh, that I, I don't know if I um, now Ken Hayden texts me. Stephen Douglas, not Frederick Douglass. Which yeah. one did I say? What, well, what? when
1: you look up Frederick Douglass, Frederick Douglass was born into slavery. He was a black. Yes, man. He, was, he was.
0: He was a black or uh, yeah. early black scholar, as it were. Yeah. And uh, born in slavery, and I, th- I think I've been talking about Stephen Douglas. I have no idea what I said. I probably said the wrong <laughs> thing. But uh, in any event, that's. Um, that's I, my take. I know, on it. a very the, I know that Abraham
1: issue. Abraham Lincoln was not the abolitionist most people make him out to be today, because
0: he was a politician and he knew he had to keep things. Basically, together.
1: most of the civil rights, uh, the black civil rights people of the time, uh, actually detested Lincoln from from what I've been able to read. Uh, so it's it's it's
0: well, Ab- Lincoln walked a fine line, from what I've read, in trying to be a politician and keep the states together and form some kind of a pathway forward and so he wasn't going to please everybody in doing that at all and so therefore many of his decisions didn't please the radical abolitionists at all who just thought he should just free all the slaves and that would be the end of it he was trying to be a little more practical about it was not an easy thing to do not only to get accomplished but then their aftermath would have been disastrous and of course since it was accomplished through war It pretty much was disastrous, uh, and still is. But no, Lincoln was was trying to uh, walk a middle road there with a lot of people. But in his debates with with Stephen Douglas, he took a pretty strong abolitionist position philosophically. Is what I'm talking about philosophically, not necessarily politically. And I believe, and of course, that's where I'm coming from in discussing this whole issue of race with people. I think the only way forward is to is to treat people as individuals, not as members of a group and and to deal with people on the basis of God's creation of that person and how they respond. And so, therefore, I have no problem holding uh, black people accountable for their actions as well as white people accountable for their actions in these matters. They're both guilty the same or they're both justified the same way. I don't see how we can have a different standard in everything for one group over another. And especially now I'm here and we have different standards in mathematics for, for black students over white students. It's absurdity, but it's all based on identity politics or judging a group on the basis of how they've been oppressed or not oppressed. Well, you know, uh, me being mistreated when I was a kid didn't change the outcome of the mathematical problems I have to solve in life. It doesn't change that. And uh, so, therefore... It's it's an, it's ridiculous, and to to well
1: speak most, of it that way. You know, most of the things that I think are taken today that in identity politics they're carried over into areas that were never considered part of that. Uh, all men are created equal. the all men are created equal was equal before the law, not necessarily yeah, not, equal e- not necessarily always now. always. now that's what they're calling now
0: equity. Yeah, it's not a set of yes. equality. We're more right. the Marxists in our culture. Uh, now are more focused on what they're calling equity, well, by that they mean everybody should have the same amount of stuff and have the same rank and so forth. And of course, no society's ever had that, nor will they, will they ever, ever have, have that, that, because that simply doesn't reflect the nature of human beings. But we can't all strive for a society where everyone is treated equally before the law. And valued equally as human beings which seems to be for their what, different
1: talents. Which seems to be what we've lost today.
0: Oh, well, we've lost it completely because we're involved in people that bought into identity politics. Yes. Now, now uh, Ken is saying to me, uh, Frederick Douglass was a black Republican abolitionist. That's true. That's and true. And I, I think your caller said Frederick Douglass. Okay, yeah, and that's, well, if he did, then Frederick Douglass didn't have the debates and I thought he mentioned the debates with maybe I jumped to the wrong conclusion here um, and didn't hear it correctly, but uh, I thought he was speaking of the debates between Lincoln and Douglas did you hear that Gary did is that what I, said? I, I,
1: I honestly don't remember which one you yes. said right now okay
0: I so I, I may be wrong again without that Jerry if I am, I apologize oh, it's been an interesting discussion. he anyway.
1: probably said Frederick because I looked up Frederick immediately okay. There you so, go. Uh, so, and basically, Frederick uh, Douglass was was a black man born into slavery right. who basically educated himself and later on became a very influential man.
0: I, I just couldn't. I thought he was trying to contrast Lincoln and Frederick, Lincoln and Stephen Douglass And
1: and there there was a contrast between Lincoln and Frederick. Douglas okay,
0: tell me about that because that's one I'm not aware of.
1: Basically, I don't think Lincoln was the abolitionist that uh, okay. many, many people credit him. Many of the things he wrote and that I've read, uh, even during the Civil War, he his only priority was keeping the country together. And basically, he that said, I, priority, d- "I don't so. care whether it's slave or free; I want to keep the country together." He had no interest. In
0: those two items, as a matter of fact I wouldn't say no interest, because he did a lot of talking about abolition Well, he But he 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 might have had a priority interest But basically his actions in
1: Missouri, when Missouri was, was basically put under northern rule Missouri was a southern state And the local military commander freed all of the slaves in Missouri And basically Lincoln countermanded that order and made him turn it all back around the other way and brought brought him back. Now there's a lot of there's a lot of other things that go along with that, but you can look that up. That's that's historical. fact that up. I in fact I, and if I could well, find this the is source the, for it right now. This is the now, problem what?
0: that politicians always get into yeah. is because they're trying to to walk a line between competing interests and different opinions.
1: And, and I know so they're I,
0: not going to take ideologically pure positions most of the time.
1: And I know he was not liked by the uh, Basically, by those uh, civil rights workers... Well, they wanted him to
0: free the slaves, like I say, by edict instantaneously, and he wasn't going to do that because he knew what would happen. He was po- being political about it, trying to walk a line. But I don't think you could read his writings and say he didn't, he didn't have any interest in free
1: slaves. Well, he certainly wrote things that indicated that in, in relation to the keeping the states together,
0: that was not a priority. Well, I think he, he prioritized unit, the Union of the States over every issue. Yeah. That was obvious on what he did. Um, but in any event, um, I'm, I'm sorry, Jerry, if I misunderstood your call about Frederick Douglass. Frederick Douglass was much more of a strong abolitionist, probably in some ways, than Abraham Lincoln, at least in action politically. Uh, but I don't think they were in – they but were, I, not, I they were not enemies Lincoln and he, never, he, never, he
1: never was able to exercise the power that Lincoln had. Well, of course not. Uh, but he did, he he did speak
0: in in terms more more formally, I think. And than it's Lincoln funny he did. would be excoriated today and is excoriated by these Marxist so called oh uh, yes, yes identity politics people. He, he was uh, black uh, Frederick Douglass apparently excoriated was excoriated by them. Doug, Frederick yeah, Douglas.
1: Frederick Douglass was apparently a very self made man, self educated basically, you know, got out of slavery through his own efforts and, and you know, tremendously
0: He's an American hero. Yeah, ways. he's yes. an
1: American hero, and in my view he, he he was basically there, did it by his own war, hard work and
0: study. He demanded he be judged on his the merits of himself as a man and how he, his character and so forth. Very similar yeah. to what Martin Luther King said. Martin Luther King is not well liked by these modern uh, identity politics, ra- racial justice people because of his speech. The speeches he gave were judging people on the content of their character and not the color of their skin because almost all these modern policies uh, from Black Lives Matter are about, are about judging people on the color of their skin. And which so, is
1: racism itself. Which but. is
0: racism per se. By, by definition is racism, but that's what they're about. They're not about um, everyone being judged individually by how they live and what they are and treated fairly whether they're black or white or whatever the case may be and so as long as you have that attitude about it we're always going to have racial strife because of that and I think that's for example what President Obama had a chance to undo but he didn't undo it. Is he came in and began he put people in power that were uh, Believed in gender, uh, in identity politics. politics, and they created more division rather than easing the divisions and so forth. He could have led us a different direction, but he didn't, unfortunately. And I, I'm, that's the biggest thing about him. that I, I, I did not vote for Barack Obama because of his politics, not because of his color, because I would gladly vote for him if he had been, you know, different politics. I didn't care. But I, at least I thought to myself after he was elected, well... At least now we have a chance. Maybe we can fix some of this racial division in the country.
1: Well, I think that's and it why... Was, it was
0: worse in four years and worse in eight years than it was before. I think that's
1: why many people voted for him, was at least we now have a chance, but, yes. but he didn't fulfill
0: that he, chance. He, because, because of his belief in identity politics and in, and in basically favoring one group over another and punishing the other group, that just doesn't lead anywhere in almost any area of life, that attitude toward... Uh, Disagreement never goes anywhere and it won't go. It doesn't go anywhere in your home with your children or any at work. It won't go anywhere in politics and and because it's against the truth which is stated in our other founding documents and in the Bible that all men are of one blood the Bible says are all the same and they're all to be treated as, as as human as and with respect and dignity. And so that was true of the Israelites, it's true of their neighbors, it was true of how they did everybody. That's what the Bible says about it. That's reflected in the documents of the United States, that all men are created equal. And so once we go against those principles and think we can set that aside, we can expect nothing but but racial division and and, uh, disunity and trouble, which is what we're experiencing today. And it's very sad. I had hoped by the time my life was over, Having lived through the 60s and been involved in many of these issues growing up, racial issues and so forth, in the school I was at and all kind of other places, I really, really hoped that things would be better. And, uh, but, but I don't see that happening now. I think things are getting worse. You know, Gary, I walk down the street. And she, some years ago, I could uh, walk in the store. I greet people, walk by, hi, how are you? And I get a smile back, hi, how are you? and so forth. Now when I walk through Walmart or anywhere and I see a black person and I say hi how are you I get a stare back if anything they won't even look at me. Why is that? I haven't changed nothing I've done has changed. It's because animosity has been sown in our culture on the again once again it's been uh, m- part of my life we were being taught that we should disregard skin color, and treat people fairly and, good and well, regardless. That's what Christianity teaches. But now we're being taught that we should judge the other person solely on the base of the skin color they present to you when you see their face. And you make judgments about them and what they think and how, how you're going to treat them. This is wrong. And people may stop listening to this show because I said that or dislike me. I don't care. This is wrong to be like that. Well, the,
1: the, okay? thing, the thing that I think is so… Black or white so dangerous about it it's being used to further ends of marxism and control it's all a
0: political yes it's, it's all it, it's power.
1: basically the conflict that is created allows people to take power and you know that's that's what's going to destroy us from within
0: but if, uh, if any of you out there listening are consider yourselves christians believers in the bible followers of christ i don't care what color your skin is And I've I've been the only white person in many churches I've preached at in my lifetime. I've been the only, as my friend used to say, you're the rice in the raisin barrel today. We joke about that back and forth. But uh, if you're listening, I don't care what color your skin is, uh, you need to walk away from this idea of judging other people by their skin color. And even if they've mistreated you one way or the other and, and so forth, because... That's the only thing, in the long run, to judge other person by what they are, who they are, what they do. That's the only thing that can bring any kind of harmony in well, our society. I'm just, I'm just it's the only thing that's right to do, biblically. I don't let's care how you're treated. just
1: Let's just it's read what, right. what Paul wrote in the Galatian letter, in chapter 3, beginning in verse 26. He says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ, in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to promise. Basically, Jew or Greek, there's race right there. Slave or free, there's economic status and right. political status. Right. There is neither male or female, that's sexual whatever, okay. Um, basically, these things are said. It, it's, it's said again in the Ephesian letter, I believe, in chapter 6. He says, for you are all, it's almost the same wording, it's for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So that's Ephesians six, verse twenty-six and 20, 28. uh You know, it, it basically it's it's said more than once. I think it's said again in the Colossian letter. Uh, again, the Colossian letter in in chapter three, I believe it is. Uh, might help me out here, Mike. Uh, And I have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, there is circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all in
0: all. And so he's telling me those differences that are so important in your society are not important important in Christ at all and shouldn't, and, and therefore...
1: Shouldn't As, be shouldn't be important to us personally. And, and I In, can't
0: go and say, well, I'm a Christian, so on Sunday when I go to church, uh, I, I like Gentiles. But if, all the rest of the week, when I'm at work, I don't like Gentiles. That that's an absurd position. So he is saying to he, he's, and so people can say, well, you know, I try to treat everybody fair, but I don't want to go to church with white people, or I don't want to go to church with black people. That's an absurdity scripturally. And, and uh, I know that there have been many people who have thought like that, maybe practiced that, but it shouldn't be that way. And so I, I don't see any way forward for our society and for the Christians that I know except to adopt a position that is now considered to be racist and that is to be colorblind as much as possible. All of us, are, all of us have our problems and, and difficulties with this black and white. We all have our problems with it. But we can strive to be colorblind in the way that we treat people, how we think about people, as much as possible. We often fail in this, but we can strive. But once we give up and say, well, let's just make those differences a part of our our laws and part of our practice, now we've lost the war. There will never be any kind of unity. And once again... Uh, you know, it becomes just a struggle for and power. Once
1: once, a the, for once power. those characteristics are start being used as basically as an identity or a source of conflict to create
0: power for another certain group, then we've lost. Well, I don't have any hope of, of changing the uh, the Marxists out there uh, but the, trying that, to portrait that, this stuff. But I a, should have some hope of influencing the people that call themselves Christians who listen to this show and who are my friends as to how they be, try to view themselves and other people a- and um, so anyway, I'm, God, I'm off, I'll get off my high horse a little bit, Gary. It's very hurtful to me personally to see to see this for various reasons and um, you know it, it's always been an important issue to me since I was in in junior high school maybe from al- to al- in elementary school and I don't want to go back and tell you all that all, all the stories but but it's been important issue to me since elementary school really. And here I am now, almost 68 years old, and it's worse than it was. Anyway, it seems to me it's worse than it was. Um, but we had a couple other um, text here. Well, we've lost our train of thought. But, yeah. Uh, I God, think God, God said he, John says God was to use the Jews to bring the world together, all nations. And I think that's exactly right. He t- set the Jews apart for a short time under a different law in order to bring under order to bless all nations of the earth the word nations as we've talked about before does not mean nations like germany or britain or whatever it means the word there in greek is ethnos it's ethnic groups it's different kinds of people with different languages and customs colors whatever the case may be and the gospel was to be a blessing to all of those groups and bring them all together just like the verses you just read Gary so this is the fundamental element of the gospel that jesus christ preaches why he hung on the cross to bless all nations and so therefore when we have even christians trying to promote these these divisions racially and culturally um it's very disturbing because it's against the nature of the gospel itself that jesus died for and and that's why it's i feel passionate about it unfortunately ranting and raving this morning
1: well, I, basically, if you want to write those passages down, it's Galatians chapter 3, beginning about verse 28, and it's Colossians chapter 3, beginning about verse 11, and there's an oblique reference to it in Ephesians 6 and 8. Yes, So. so and
0: there's probably others.
1: That and I'm there's others. Those, are, right those right are just, are just the ones that, that I can find quickly.
0: But fundamentally, we have to decide what our view of the nature of man is. If you're a Marxist, like the Black Lives Matter movement is, and some of these other movements, then you do not believe that God created the world and is in control of the world, and He made all people of one blood, like the Bible says. And therefore, you have this diff- a different view of class struggle. The different c- kinds of creatures that came from the from the from the earth, from the apes, and so forth, have all been struggling for power for over the, over the years. And so now it's time for the white people to be kicked down, black people to be put forward, and so forth and so on. This is the this is cultural Marxism and racial Marxism. Everything okay. is about oppression and domination and subjugation. But the Bible teaches something different about the nature of man. Man is a created being. We all come from one original pair of human beings that God made. All the variations of humans come from those two therefore we are all related we are all brothers and sisters god intends to save all of those people who will come to him through jesus christ and they are taught if they follow christ to live in harmony with joy and love toward all men even their enemies if possible
1: well basically it puts the priority on basically living for christ not not the worldly situation
0: not the political economic not that the political. Get so worked up over
1: Basically, he says, if you were called upon a slave, be content. Be free if you can, but don't now, put a lot of. Now store those in
0: things it. will influence politics. It's yeah. obvious that Christian principles of equality. Well, that's that's major one of influences in the abolition of slavery historically. That basically, that's what we're what we're
1: saying is is. Christ is in command, and if Christ is in command of your life, then the Marxists are not, and that's a problem. You know, slavery
0: was not abolished by atheist countries and non-Christian cultures in history. Muslims still practice it. Oh, there's a lot of it still And all the Hindus and other people still practice this kind of class slavery. It was done by Christian people. Many Christians opposed it, of course. They were wrong. But the truth of the gospel was was not hidden, and therefore it's very alarming to me to see so many Christians buying into these this identity politics, when at its base it's so unbiblical, and, and unchristian, as it were. But it's hard to go forward because the politics of the day says uh, I got to get mine, and and therefore we're going to use the power of the government to, get, to take it away from you and give it to me. That's that's wrong. Whoever does that, and the answer is not well. You've had your turn to do that. Now it's my turn. That's not the answer to any problem. Um, to, for one, You cheated, so now I'm going to cheat. You did wrong, so now I'm going to do wrong. How is that ever the answer to anything, Gary? You're, you're an old man. Is it the answer <laughs> no. to anything to solve any problem in your family, your home, your work, your business, the society? But that's where we are. You don't correct one wrong with another No, wrong. that's where we are today. And people are bought into it. It's very alarming to me. All right, well... Um, we've got about 10 minutes left. and We never finished our discussion. Jerry, I, I he's, hope you're still listening, Jerry. I do appreciate your question, even if I misunderstood it. And you ask good questions. I hope you keep calling. I do appreciate it very much. It, um, and it's not a sidetrack. It doesn't bother us at all. But you want to say anything else about that for me?
1: No, let's, do let's, something let's, else? Oh, okay. we probably need to go on. All right, I, I
0: wanted to, before we go to the, uh, finish up what we were talking about in the beginning of the show, if you want to call us, uh, get, put your two cents in. The number is 772-340-1590. 772-340-1590 is the number to call in to the show. And we'd be glad to talk to you today about whatever's on your mind. If it's the subject that we're talking about, great. If not, that's okay, too. And we'd we'll be glad to have your text. I'll just give you the one right now, 772-260-6120. And our email address, you can email us, net just Christians at att.net. Now I do want to mention that. Uh, by the way, Gary, look up Isaiah eleven ten. Somebody just texted that in to me. Okay. So I want to see what it says. I just can't remember off the top. I think it's. I think I know, but I don't want to quote it. But if you want to let other people listen to the show, or if you can't listen live on the radio because uh, you're not you're in your car or something, or you're not in your car, you can get us at uh, on the TuneIn Radio app. Just go to wpsl. 1590 on the TuneIn radio app, or all your Alexa devices or your Google Chrome devices, you can listen to this show and your friends can listen all over the country or world at 9 a.m. Eastern on WPSL 1590 at, on TuneIn, Alexa, and Google Chrome. If you want a podcast recording, some people do that, you can go to wearejustchristians.com. Wearejustchristians.com, and we have recordings of this show going back many years. Um, on every show we have get a good recording of Sometimes we have a glitch But most of them are there And so you can listen to them You can have them sent to your uh, devices automatically Or just go to the internet there And listen to them at, at wearejustchristians.com Alright, Gary, what does Isaiah 11.10 say? It
1: says, In that day there shall be a root of Jesse Who shall stand as a banner to the people For the Gentile shall seek him And his resting place shall be glorious
0: Yes, the, 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 the a shoot out of the root of Jesse.
1: There shall that's be David's there shall be a child. root of Jesse.
0: A root of Jesse is gonna come. And that he's gonna be the resting place of the Gentiles. Now that's a very important statement because the whole the Jews tend to think when you read the New Testament, you see, and many Jews today, other people do too, that somehow God had cast off the Gentiles when he when he chose the Jews and separated them out. But Christ came to save everybody. I believe that's a good reason why he was crucified. I certainly why Paul was put to death later because he preached to the gentiles because but that was jesus whole point in coming to be a blessing to every person on the earth and so uh we we need not forget that fact that that's really the core of the god so if you are a christian uh don't buy into this identity politics and all the other kind of stuff it's not the answer to anything politically or religiously it's only going to breed division and hatred and so forth. I will tell you, it's just a practical standpoint, Gary. Oh yeah. If okay. you can't, if you stand around long enough and talk about the color of your skin, and you, you you excoriate white people for what they do, don't be alarmed when white people recognize the color of their skin and band together, and you get white supremacy. You get these real.
1: You get the reaction. You,
0: you're going to get a resurgence. Of the white hate groups, because you've told them by your politics, you've told them that they should notice the color of their skin and exercise power based on the color of their skin. It's wrong, but when you do one, you're going to do the other. I think that's what's happening in our society. We're seeing both ends of that. Uh, when when you emphasize uh, the blackness, how that's better than being white, now you're going to have people go the other way. It's pretty natural. This is why we're seeing what we're seeing. Uh, you can't you can't tell one group that this this group is better than you for very long because there's going to be a reaction to that, and um, unfortunately, this is what our kids are going to be left to clean up if it can be cleaned up. In this, you know, United States was a was a beacon of hope in spite of the slavery that existed. We got rid of the slavery. We struggled with a lot of the laws in the country, Jim Crow laws after that. Tried to get rid of that stuff. But this was a place, in spite of that, where people from all over the world came, whatever color they were, to just be Americans and live together, in spite of the difficulties. But because people can't see anything except a desire for a utopia, they forget the real benefit of all of those things. And and uh, therefore, they throw out, as the old saying goes, that they, they throw out the baby with the bathwater. I don't even know if people give babies baths. And, but anyway, that's another story It's an old expression Alright, we got about four minutes left, Gary We were talking about this business of
1: Well, I'd just like to say oh, one okay. thing about Isaiah right. 11 uh, Or Isaiah 10, 11 Basically, that talks about the Gentiles seeking the Lord uh, Coming to a root of Jesse The reference, obviously, is to Christ, is to Jesus But there are other references within the Old Testament prophets that claim this same thing. Uh, The Gentiles coming to the mountain of the Lord. uh, And I invite our listeners to look up those passages uh, to see where they are. There's not just one of them. There are many of them in the Old Testament prophecies. And I'd just like to point out this is a reference to the church. This is the reference to the system that Jesus set up. As a consequence of his death, burial, and resurrection This is him fulfilling the promise to Abraham When Abraham was told, in your seed, all nations shall be blessed This is the fulfillment of that promise, and that is the church And so when you hear somebody talking about there's no reference to the church in the Old Testament That's absolutely wrong That's
0: really wrong, yes, that's exactly wrong It's exactly what was prophesied in the Old Testament Testament. Uh, That's for sure
1: Sorry, I had to chase no, that no, rabbit. No, I, work,
0: I, I appreciate that very much. We were talking a little bit about maybe we've got a couple minutes left, Gary. Three minutes or so, we can talk about this issue about who baptizes somebody. You know, if if you believe that it's important who baptizes you, that they have to have some, um, they have to have some connection back to the first century or something like that, then you got to prove that connection all the way back. If it's important who, if it's important who baptizes you. How do you know that this person believes the right things? Maybe they're a phony, like a lot of people are. How can the fellow that baptizes me, him being a phony, a hypocrite, maybe even a believing in false things, how can that pre- prevent me from coming to the Lord? It's, well, abs- it's an absurdity. Now, here's the only way that affects people. Here's where people get off track, here, in my opinion. Usually, the person who baptizes you is the one who taught you the truth. And if they have not taught you the truth about what it means to be baptized and be a Christian, then that could throw some doubt on the fact that you didn't do what you think you did. A lot of people baptize people, and they teach them that baptism is not essential for salvation. You're already saved before you're baptized. But then sometime after you're you're saved, they will tell you, maybe at Easter, you could be baptized. Well, they, the person who baptized you has taught you the wrong thing. Now that that person doesn't invalidate your baptism, what you believe about that can invalidate it. You haven't yeah. actually believed the truth about it, and done done the right thing. But that's where people get off track, confusing the errors of the person who baptizes you with what you do. That's Same thing I... is true of a woman. There are many circumstances where a woman might be the only person there to baptize you.
1: Well, we're we're basically out of time. Yes, but that's, we are. That's exactly the reason why Priscilla and Aquila t- taught Apollos the way more accurately. More accurately, so he would know what it's important what, what you are taught. Baptism is for the forgiveness of sins. Baptism is upon your repentance or change of mind. And baptism is the point at which God forgives your sins. You need to know and understand that.
0: Yes, that's exactly right. Well, thanks for listening today. We really appreciate it very much here at We Are Just Christian. I hope you'll tune in again next week to the show. Maybe plan to call. I'll get a question together. We'd like to invite you to our worship services here at the Church of Christ on Savona Boulevard. You can meet with us at 11, I mean, 2196-2196 Southwest Savona Boulevard here in Port St. Lucie at 10 and 11 today and 730 on Wednesday night, 2196 Southwest Savona Boulevard. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you. You've been listening
1: to We Are Just Christians, live from Savona Church in Port St. Lucie, on WPSL, Port St. Lucie.